This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner, alongside, as always, Graham Hall. Graham, uh, we have another game preview to get through. Florida, second to last game of the season, a road trip at Vandy in Nashville. Uh, Gators looking good lately, 6-4 and four overall on the season. Vanderbilt looking better relative to years past, 3-6 and six overall. Uh, just got their first SEC win since 2019, so uh, things are rolling in, in Nashville for the Commodores. But uh, for the Gators, this is an important one, in my opinion. I think that they have an opportunity uh, to continue to demonstrate the improvement that we've seen in recent weeks to continue the momentum of their last two wins, uh, beating Texas A&M and South Carolina, resounding win uh, against the Gamecocks. This is kind of a chance, I think, to uh, continue that momentum into what will be a difficult regular season finale at FSU the day after Thanksgiving. But we will focus on that next week. Let's, for now, continue to discuss this Vanderbilt game. Uh, like I said, an improved Vandy team uh, doing better, kind of, relative to, I think, teams at that school that people have kind of gotten used to in years past. What, what stands out to you about these guys? What's made them so successful? Yeah, it's a Vanderbilt team that is actually on the cusp, in a way, of attaining bowl eligibility, sitting here at four and six, which is not something that you've been able to say about the Commodores really throughout their tenure in the SEC. It has been right. a program that for a long time was considered a doormat here but with a guy in clark lee who came over from notre dame the way that they restructured their football program hiring a guy like barton simmons as a quote-unquote general manager a guy who has a knack for you know finding talent especially guys that get overlooked by the bigger programs in the sec whether 24 it's 7 finest by the way barton yeah absolutely give a shout out to uh, 24-7 for identifying Barton before the Commodores did. So I think that you have a guy like that up there, a guy in Clark Lee, a defensive-minded coach who has them playing at a much higher success rate against the SEC, game planning well from week to week. The offseason preparations, you can tell were done well there. The biggest problem still for Vanderbilt to overcome is nothing from a personnel standpoint necessarily in my mind. It's really just how much they fail to live up to the standard of the rest of the SEC, whether it's from a facility standpoint, from what they have to deal with, from getting prospects enrolled at a school like Vanderbilt. There's a lot of hurdles that are, I think, part of the infrastructure there at Vanderbilt that have made it tough for the Commodores to compete, no matter who was the head coach there and, and really what they were running that year. But that's not seemingly the case as much this year. Hugh win against Kentucky snapped their 26-game SEC losing streak this past week. They've got a pair of quarterbacks that they feel confident in, two guys who've minimized turnovers, just five interceptions combined between the two guys. they got a dual-threat quarterback in Mike Wright, who, bringing you back to what you brought up, Jacob, is now going against a Florida defense that, until the recent two-week turnaround here, had struggled 
with mobile dual threat quarterbacks this season. Right. Mike Wright's a guy who had more than 100 yards on the ground last season, uh, last last game against Kentucky, excuse me. And now is their second leading rusher with nearly 500 yards this season on just 55 attempts. He's averaging 8.44 yards per carry this season. And anytime you're facing someone like that, whether it's Jaden Daniels, whether it's Stetson Bennett, they have to, you know, be someone that you prepare for in this week, especially knowing that they could play both quarterbacks. So it's definitely going to be another test for this Florida defense. History aside from the matchup here, Florida can't go in thinking that, oh, this is just going to be another Vanderbilt team that we're going to roll over for 60 minutes. This could be a team that poses some problems for this defense consistently. Yeah, I think that that uh, the quarterback situation at Vanderbilt uh, could be of challenge to this Florida defense. And I will also offer a correction. I said Vanderbilt was three and six. I did not give them enough credit uh, for that fourth win. So Vanderbilt four and six on the season. Uh, but yes, I think that you bring up a very interesting point with the two quarterback situation. Uh, a guy like Mike Wright poses potential problems for Florida's defense based on what we've seen so far. Florida has done uh, an inconsistent job, not a poor job, but an inconsistent job at setting contain uh, on the perimeters of your defensive line. They have not necessarily done a good job of uh, tackling has been a problem, but also of just kind of corralling rushing capable quarterbacks. We saw that earlier on in the season, particularly, uh, but there have been games, especially the South Carolina game where that has been uh, remedied to a degree. And so I think that the biggest thing to watch for, from this Florida defense in this game is how well do they set up contain? How well do they keep a dynamic runner like Mike Wright in the pocket, force him to throw? However, that comes with its consequences too. There are some weapons on this Vanderbilt team, and I'll point one out. Uh, Will Shepard has been very good, the wide receiver for the Commodores. This season, 708 yards. He's averaging 13.6 yards per reception and has scored nine receiving touchdowns. So this is a guy who has been dynamic. Billy Napier is familiar with him, having recruited him when he was at Louisiana. Uh, he told a story about how Shepard was uh, between Vanderbilt and Tulane as kind of one of these under-the-radar Louisiana prospects. Uh, he said that he was proud of him. It felt very Stetson Bennett-esque. Uh, I feel like we had similar conversations pre-Georgia uh, with Billy Napier about Stetson Bennett. This felt similar. So uh, I actually think Florida will have its hands full defensively in this game in a way that they might not have against South Carolina. If that makes sense, I actually think that Vanderbilt has the potential to be slightly more potent. Let's flip the script, though. Uh, Florida's offense is on a heater right now. They've been doing fantastic. 41 points in the win over Texas A&M, 38 against South Carolina, uh, which was enough, actually, to bring in some backups towards the end of the game. Uh, what does Florida need to do offensively, Graham, against Vanderbilt in order to have a repeat performance and kind of continue that momentum. Same thing, really. Run the football. I think that for this Florida offense, it all starts on the ground, and they're now facing a Vanderbilt defense that has not been great against the run this season. I mean, faced a Kentucky team that I was surprised at little, literally how little success the Wildcats were able to have on the ground, just knowing what Vanderbilt had give up through the first nine games of the season. So I think for Florida, coming off of a performance they just had where they faced a quality defensive line, a lot of guys, Pickens, you know, capable of stopping the run. And Florida had their way with the Gamecocks, getting out to, what, 297 rushing yards there, 
by the middle of the third quarter. This is just, I think, the formula for success for the Gators. They have to run Anthony Richardson, and he said on Monday that he, you know, wants to lower his shoulder, take contact. He's 6'4", 240 pounds, and someone's got to feel it, he said. And I think that getting him out running in what is going to be a pretty cold environment. We talked about this earlier in the week, making sure that Florida comes in hot amid the conditions and not to kind of, you know, pick some low hanging fruit here or anything. But I think that it, that is some certainly something that you have to prioritize for Florida, making sure that they start hot, can run the ball efficiently from the early going and, and get out to an early lead. And if they can do that, I think that they're going to be able to have Plenty of success against the Commodores. We saw it against the Gamecocks. We saw it in the second half against the Aggies. I know that those two teams really kind of dealing with their own issues with stopping the run. Um, but both teams have been good against the pass, quality defensive backs. I mean, South Carolina has a guy in Cam Smith who's going to be probably one of the top 10 picks of the draft. So I think that Florida is, from a personnel standpoint, facing a team that doesn't have as much talent as the teams they faced in the, in the past two weeks. They're just playing at a higher confidence level right now, having gotten that victory, having really bought in to what Lee is doing there. That is, I think, what Florida has to be concerned with, a team playing with a lot of confidence, maybe not necessarily the caliber of athletes that you would see at the other programs, but a team that certainly has a lot of confidence and is going to create some problems from, you know, Florida's offense, if they can get away with it. And I, I expect some interesting things them to use some unique coverages against the Gators to, to try and stop the run and, and maybe force Anthony Richardson in to, you know, having his first turnover in the last month. I think that if they can do that, certainly the Commodores could make it a competitive game on Saturday. I don't even think that they will. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'll tell you exactly why I'll be, I'll be right to the point here. Uh, I love what Florida is able to do on the ground. And I mean this, I think that the biggest win for Billy Napier and his staff from an offensive perspective this season, what they were able to do at an exceptional rate year one was run the football. Uh, I think that they've been phenomenal. I think that the offensive line has done a great job. I think that they've been coached to do a great job. Uh, I have been impressed, as I said on our podcast, what was published yesterday, today's Thursday, November 17th. Uh, I think that Florida has not only done a good job of preparing its starting offensive linemen to be effective, but it has done an outstanding job of preparing top backups to be ready to be inserted into the game and seamless. I mean, truly come in and be good right away has been the task. They've lived up to it. They've done it. Uh, Florida has two running backs in Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, who I personally think can play and will play at the NFL level. Uh, they are, it has to be one of the better running back duos in the country at this point. And then you bring in Anthony Richardson, who is a, a an extremely dynamic quarterback. We talked this week about how uh, Billy Napier, who worked at Alabama, uh, got to be around a guy like Derrick Henry, a six foot four freak athlete running back, uh, you know, who just is a one in a million was the way that uh, he was described by Billy Napier. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
It's the NFL offseason, but I'll pick six. Part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. I, I think Billy Napier is working with a guy in Anthony Richardson who is most similar to Derrick Henry relative to the athletes that he's seen as runners in the years since he coached on that Alabama staff. I, I mean, Anthony Richardson is a six foot four, like you said, 240 pound freak athlete. He is as an effective runner as anybody. He has Tied the team lead for rushing touchdowns this season. He ranks second behind Johnson in total rushing yards. And now let's look at what Vanderbilt has done against the run. You you mentioned this. Here are the statistics that back it up. Opponent rushing yards in FBS games. Teams are rushing for nearly five yards per carry. Vanderbilt ranks 113th out of FBS schools in yards, uh, yards per rush against. Opponent rushing yards per game, 165.7. That ranks 90th. There are 131 FBS schools. I see an opportunity for Florida to have one of, if it's if not the most explosive rushing performances of the season. I think that's going to take time off the clock. I think that's going to allow them to score a bunch of points. And I do not think that this game at any point will be close. Uh, let's talk about what that momentum would do, though, because I think that there is an important uh, aspect of this game where the beatdown is expected, or at least a win that's that's reasonably comfortable. Uh, Florida has, you and I were joking before the podcast, you know, you kind of have to try to lose to Vanderbilt. If you're Florida, you have more talent, you're a better football team. Uh, and yes, Vanderbilt is hot, but if we're being realistic here, I don't think this game is expected to be very close. However, as we've talked about now over the last couple of weeks, one of the recurring themes here has been process over result. And, And I'll point back to a game like the Utah game where Florida wins 29-26, but Billy Napier says we have a ton to improve. You know, don't only just look at the win. Let's look at what happened in our process. I think this is stacking up to be similar. I think Florida could win by two, three possessions, uh, but there will be a lot of conversation about process. How how big do you think this game is, Graham, in terms of just uh, continuing momentum, using what's happened in the last two games, and again, to, to kind of propel yourself into that FSU game? Yeah, Florida has said time and time again, but that they're kind of, you know, competing against themselves at times rather than competing against the opposition. If you're less focused on what the opposing team is going to do and making sure that you just stick to your game plan, especially on offense, doing what you like to do rather than necessarily having to bend the will to the the opposition, I think that that's usually going to bode favorably for you. And for Florida, they come into each game, especially this one with a checklist of things to accomplish, run the football, avoid turnovers, avoid unnecessary penalties, put points on the scoreboard when the situation calls for it, whether it's making your field goals, which Florida did struggle to do against the Gamecocks, had one blocked. I think that if they can accomplish all those things, they're going to get the result that they want. And Billy Napier is going to look at each one of those details when he assesses the performance rather than if Florida goes out there and necessarily stops the team that they're facing, if, if they do that and create some 
penalties and have some careless turnovers, but still manage to get a big victory. We've seen Billy Napier, I think, be a little bit caught up in the details and what it means for Florida's overall gradual improvement under him in year one. So if they are going to absolutely you know, win this game big, though, you'd think that they would have to accomplish everything that they're looking to accomplish, right? But for him, it's being able to do all those things cleanly and continue in that forward you know, progression, especially not to have any setbacks. We've seen this team, no turnovers, like I said, until that late you know, fumble by Naquan Wright. That was 50 offensive possessions in a row without a turnover. Continue to win the turnover battle. And yeah, undisciplined penalties. This team has taken a massive step forward in limiting their infractions this season. I think that one point they were top 10 in least penalty yards in the country. I think that, that absolutely is a, a direct correlation to Napier's, um, you know, insistence that it be something Florida cleans up this season. So if they do all those things against Vanderbilt, play a clean game and run the football, uh, usually it's going to bode well for this Florida team as we've seen so far. Well, there you go. Uh, I think that's going to do it for our uh, Vanderbilt preview portion of the podcast. And now we get to move into what has been declared uh, my favorite portion of the podcast. For you, Graham, I'm not so sure. Uh, based on your record in this game, but it is time for Select the SEC, uh, where Graham and I go through every single game featuring at least one SEC team, and we pick our winners straight up and against the spread. And if you're trying to follow along, uh, you got to listen to the podcast because we don't use the odds as they update after recording time. The odds we use are the consensus odds displayed on ESPN's app. If you go on over to the College Football tab, select SEC, and you go on down to the SEC games, each one that has a line is featured on the right-hand side, uh, and we are picking this at about 10.45 a.m. on Thursday, November 17th. So keep that in mind uh, as we go through this because the lines do and probably will change. Graham, we have two games this week that don't have lines, though. Uh, contests between FBS and FCS teams most often do not get betting odds, uh, and there are two, so those are fairly easy. Number eight, Alabama, uh, will play host to Austin P. Uh, on Saturday at noon, uh, very little question for me, unless you're going to do something crazy. Do you think there will be an upset? No. Okay. And then we'll move on. Uh, we have Mississippi State playing host to ETSU. Uh, no line on that one here. I also think that that is a pretty straightforward game. Uh, so we will move on into what is slightly more difficult. These are the FBS games of the week. A lot of non-conference uh, across the SEC. Texas A&M is hosting a 1-9 UMass team. The Aggies are a 33-and-a-half-point favorite. Graham, what's your thought? What, what you got? I'm going to go with Texas A&M winning, but I don't think they cover. Interesting. I, hmm, I can see you being correct. I think that Texas A&M's offense has been anemic- uh, at times, I worry that they don't score enough points to put up a 34 and a half point differential. However, UMass is horrible. So uh, I'm going to go with the Aggies to win and cover. So it's a, it's a bold pick at the gate. Uh, University of Georgia, Graham, is headed to Kentucky. Georgia, number one team in the country, 10 and 0. Kentucky is 6 and 4 and has fallen out of the rankings. They lost last week. Uh, to the Vanderbilt team that Florida will face this week. Uh, Bulldogs, 22 and a half point favorites. 
I'm going to go Georgia wins and covers. Okay. I think that Kentucky is reeling a little bit too much, and, and Georgia still has a lot to play for. I'm going to go Georgia wins and covers. I think it's an easy one. I think Georgia wins and covers. I think Kentucky is a pretender this season. And so uh, I got the Bulldogs winning by at least 23. Uh, here's a fun one. Auburn is hosting Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is 7-4 and four this season, and Auburn is only a 5.5-point favorite. So you're playing with less than a touchdown here. Uh, who you got? I'm going to go Western Kentucky with the upset. Oh, stealing my thunder. Stealing my thunder. Well, you were supposed to start picking these first anyway because well, I we think... can switch after this game. That's that's uh, fair. Too late. We can switch after this game. I too will be picking Western Kentucky to win and cover. I didn't think you would do it. I think you were going to play it safe, but no, no, you didn't. Uh, Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky for the upset. You heard it here first. I will pick this next one first, as I will do for the rest of these games. Out of fairness to uh, Graham, uh, Tennessee number five. Tennessee is headed to South Carolina. Tennessee is 9-1. and one. South Carolina, 6-4. and four. The uh, Volunteers are 21-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I have them easily winning and covering this game based on what we saw from South Carolina that's last week and what we know about Tennessee. Graham, who can now follow me, uh, what would you like to pick for this game? I'm going to go with Tennessee winning and covering as well. South Carolina okay. is in dire straits. Not going to happen for him. Really I don't think you're going to hear Sandstorm too much. All right. Ole Miss headed to Arkansas. Uh, Ole Miss 8-2, and two, number 14 in the college football playoff poll. Arkansas is 5-5. Five and five. Ole Miss is a 2.5-point favorite, and I'm doing it again. Arkansas is winning this game. They're going to go for the upset here. What you got? Wow. I'm going to go Ole Miss wins and covers. Okay. I'm just going to write that down, and here we go. We're going to move on. New Mexico State, Graham, is headed Whoa. to Missouri, who is a 29-and-a-half-point favorite. Tigers winning cover. 29-and-a-half for Missouri? Oh, sorry, 29 flat. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. That still is a lot. I'm going to go Missouri wins but doesn't cover. That would be a disappointing result against a four and five New Mexico State team, but that's okay. This is the line of the week. Uh, I think this is the easiest game. If you want to make some money, you should take this one to the bank. Uh, number six LSU, which is eight and two, is hosting the University of Alabama Birmingham, which is five and five, entering play somehow. And maybe Vegas knows something I don't. Maybe I'm not realizing something as I say this, and I'm going to sound like a buffoon. Uh, but LSU is only a 14 and a half point favorite. Like I said, cash in, win big. LSU wins and covers this line. Graham, enlighten me. Am I am I am I missing something? What, what's happening here? Oh man, I'm a. I gotta be a little, you know, honest. I'm biased for UAB in a sense. I got to tour that program about five years ago and uh, meet a bunch of people up there. When coach when Coach Bill was still up there, you know, had a lot of respect for him. Unfortunately, he retired, but he has built a really impressive program up there in Birmingham. I actually think that this is going to be a, a closer game, wow. a potential trap game, perhaps. Wow. Okay. I'm still thinking that LSU wins by double digits. Okay. But I don't think they cover. 
Graham I'm Hall, with, ladies I'm, and I'm going. I'm going with uh, LSU. Maybe winning by 10 points, 11 points. All righty. Uh, I didn't think you would do that, but but good. Um, here we go. Last game. This is we, we do Florida last every single week. Uh, the difference between Florida's games and the rest of them is in addition to picking uh, straight up and against the spread, we will offer our score prediction. Uh, Florida is a 14-point favorite heading into this one. It's a noon kick Eastern time on Saturday, 11 a.m. local. Uh, Gators enter play six and four. Vanderbilt, as we said, four and six. I have Florida winning this game 42 to 20. So that means Florida wins and covers uh, by by quite a bit. Graham? Yeah, I've got Florida winning 35-17. So that does mean that I think they will cover as well. I think it'll be kind of close there. I do think Vanderbilt will have some rushing touchdowns. I think I could see Mike Wright having a, a successful day on the ground for the Commodores. But I do think that Florida has enough on offense, runs the football efficiently, maybe makes a few mistakes up there dealing with the weather. I hate to make that a factor, although Coach Billy Napier doesn't want to make it a distraction or a potential factor for Florida to have to deal with. I Florida's think this game, it is a mentality. It's one that I think I feel a little bit more than I would like to admit. Mm. I, I miss the Florida weather. I'm going to miss sweating in the box this weekend. I'm not going to enjoy the low 30s of kickoff. Maybe that slows Florida down a little bit too, but I think they still win by 18, 20 points. I think that this is going to be uh, a great game for Florida to show off its improvement, uh, particularly with that running game, like I said. That's going to do it for this episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. We got you with Select the SEC. You got your game preview. Uh, and there's a lot more going on on the site. We got recruiting news uh, going up pretty much every day at this point over at swamp247.com, which we encourage you to go over and check out. And that's not it either. We have basketball coverage. There's written content about the football team going up right now. Uh, and so there's just a ton to read and learn. Uh, and part of that comes on our message board. So if you really want the full Florida coverage experience, you got to go check out Alligator Alley. It is easily accessible. And it's not very expensive to get as much Florida information as you could possibly ask for. Graham, myself, and our recruiting expert, Blake Alderman, are constantly on there and informing the people of what they need to know. So again, check on swamp247.com. Also, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other audio-only platform, we appreciate you. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, drop a comment. Like I say, every podcast has become my one-liner. If you hate me, tell me. I want to know. It doesn't bother me, uh, but your feedback truthfully is appreciated, uh, and we appreciate all of you for watching. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode of the Swamp 247 Podcast. Graham and I will talk to you post-Florida Vanderbilt, and uh, you should also stay tuned to the YouTube channel and the audio-only platforms as Blake Alderman and I will have a recruiting podcast either uh, Friday, November 18th, or on Sunday uh, after the Vanderbilt game. It could bleed over to Monday, but but definitely in the next couple of days, we'll hit you up with a recruiting podcast, catching you up on all things Florida recruiting. Uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening.